I don't know if you have a specific expression or a phrase that comes out of your mouth. I hope it's a decent one. When, when surprises happen in your life or when something catches you off guard or when you just don't have an expression um, because you don't know what to do with what is in front of you. I have been told recently, um, just as a matter of fact, Pastor Kayla, did you know that you say holy moly a lot? And so over the past few weeks, as I've been reacting to things, I catch myself saying, oh, holy moly, or like, holy moly. And depending on the inflection that I have as I use this expression, it will indicate what kind of experience I am going through. Holy moly. Today we're going to spend some time in scripture in um, a letter written to five areas in um, the epistle of the first letter of Peter. So I invite you to um, download the Benita Avenist Church app and use our Bible there or whatever app you have, whatever book you have, there is a Bible in the pew in front of you. And we'll just start at the very beginning. First Peter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to, the obedient, uh, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. I read this letter, and I think how beautiful it would be to have a letter in my hands with this salutation written on it to me, to Kayla, who has been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and to be sprinkled with his blood. May grace and grace, no, not that one. May grace and peace be yours in abundance. Insert your name here. This is a pastoral letter to Gentiles, to people like you and I, people who are not of Jewish descent, sitting in our faith, wondering how we do this thing called the Christian life. Holy moly, if this was a letter written to me written to you, if this was the way we addressed each other, Matisse, chosen and destined by God, how would we change the way we interacted with each other? What kind of proclamation are we bringing into the lives of the people that we encounter when we just tack that little identity marker on there? This is the kind of of language the apostle uses, and this is the kind of identity we remind ourselves of because of the God that we believe in. Holy moly. There are things in our life that we experience that take our breath away. There are encounters that we have with people that leave us stunned, and we don't know what to do next. And I have these moments multiple times a week, and I get a holy moly. Last Friday night at Vespers, the high school students were asking each other fun icebreaker, get to know you, sometimes very vulnerable questions, but this one got pulled out of a basket. If you could live in any decade, which would you choose? 
And our student, high school, sitting over here in this region, gets to answer the question. She says, I'd live in the 90s. And I said, what? And she said, well, I wasn't alive then, so they have really cool fashion. And I said, girl, those were my awkward years. I live in the 90s. And I said, holy moly, you are making me feel old. And you guys tell me all of the time, like, oh, Pastor Kayla, you're so young. You still have your whole life ahead of you. And then I come and sit with our high school children. Just kidding, you're not children, you're my, you're my peeps. And I get, I live in the 90s, so cool. And then earlier this week, I sit in a space with our junior high students, and we're having a Bible study, and we're talking about how crazy it is to open this book and what comes out of here and, and what questions we're going to get. And we, we're closing our Bible study, and I say, okay, I'm going to show you this funny little clip. It's meant to be comical. You'll laugh a little. It's not serious. And I said, it's a little old, though, but it's funny. And it comes from 2005. And I said, where were you guys in 2005? And they were like, Pastor Kayla. Some of us were born in that year. And those were the older ones of our group. And so the younger ones were like, yeah, no, I still had two years before I came out. And I was like, oh, holy moly. So I realize as I'm having these experiences that this just becomes my expression to things. Even as I'm watching TV, I, I was... Many of you guys know this. I like to go play trivia. Here in San Diego, we're known for trivia. And I, I'm playing trivia, and on one of our screens, sports things and games and footage, and I come across American Ninja Warrior. And so then we see things like this, which will be thrown up on your screens on either side of me. And you've got people who are jumping into little spaces that have no business having people there, and they're like parkouring all over the place. Go ahead and play it. do one of those things. I can barely jump from here to where the keyboard is and land standing up. Holy moly. As we look through the things of our lives, the things we watch, the things we see, the things we encounter, holy moly. This week, I've I been thinking about the friendships that I have encountered since I have moved down to San Diego. Holy moly. I've seen people in this community come through for me and come through for each other in ways that I never would have dreamt possible. Holy moly, it is beautiful. 
But then on the other side, we could also just kind of look out into the world today, and I now live a little bit closer to downtown, and I see homeless people as I make my commute home, and holy moly, it's raining outside, and what am I to do? We turn on our TV, and every other story is a crisis story, and then holy moly, how do, how do we do this thing? It's an expression that I used often. I also use holy cow, but this is not a sermon on the golden calf, so we, I just, holy moly is, is where it landed. But today we're going to spend some time back in, in this letter to a community who was being persecuted, who's kind of tripping up on what it means to do this Christian life thing. And Peter just opens up this letter with a salutation and a reminder and a powerful one. Because we know that it's customary and tradition, just grace and peace, grace and peace. Paul has it, and if you find any of the other literature, grace and peace. It's just like a dear whoever, as common as a hello, how are you, grace and peace. But to insert your name, you who have been chosen and destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to, ob- to be obedient to Jesus Christ, to be sprinkled with his blood. May that grace and that peace be yours in abundance. That is beautiful. Holy moly. This letter gives us an opportunity to look at what kind of holy moly, holy experience we have with Jesus Christ. It gives us an opportunity to look into what that means to have holiness interacting with your life and with my life. This letter is short, so you can peruse it by the time this sermon is finished, and you will have read the whole thing. But this letter is written to believers where a majority of the demographic are Gentiles, like I had mentioned earlier. But in light of the cross, this letter says, this is for all. I make no distinct, distinction between you who have been Jew, those who are Gentile. Now you are believer. And what does it mean to claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Some scholars suggest that this was during Nero's persecution, and so we know. To claim being a Christian means you're dead. So will I have the courage to do that? Peter offers strength. Peter offers faith. Peter offers hope to a troubled audience, and all of those things, faith, peace, hope, grace, come from one person. Not a thing, not a source of a fountain, no, 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 a person. And his greetings, you who have been chosen, destined by God the Father, sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and be sprinkled by his blood. And let's just be clear, to be obedient, not in the sense of you have lost your freedom and now you are a robot and now you have this checklist of things you have to be obedient to. Know what this means when we talk about obedience to Jesus Christ and obedience in this space in light of what 
God has always wanted to be in relationship with us, obedience is an opportunity. Obedience means I will allow you, who is all-knowing, to give me the best opportunity to live a life that is rich and full and meaningful. I will live as I die to myself and allow you to work in and through me. I will be transformed and I will stop looking at a world thinking only me, me, me and start thinking how do I bring you into this space, God? To be obedient is to understand that we have an opportunity that no one else has. This kind of obedience sprinkled with his blood so that we might have grace and peace and abundance in our life. So there's this beautiful section, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead and into the inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. You who are, protect, who are being protected by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This, this is the hope that through Jesus Christ, we have new birth, we have new opportunity, we have new life. And if you just skip down a couple of verses to verse 13, the letter will say, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. All of the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you, as in future, as in continual, as in you will constantly have access to grace. When Jesus is revealed as in this continual reception of grace will also be a continual growing of your faith. Verse 14, like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. That pre-Christ transformation, now we have this hope. Now you want that grace. Now you want that peace in abundance. Forget that pre-Christ self. Don't be conformed to those old desires in your former ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all of your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And we know this reference to the Hebrew scriptures well. We find it in Leviticus multiple times, but probably most familiar is when we encounter it after a long list of clean and unclean meats. I didn't even grow up in academy, and I knew that there was all of these things happening, right? Like, it just we as Adventists spew them out. This is what is explicitly laid out for the Israelites. And so this reference to be holy is now an opportunity in light of Jesus to look at what it will be explicitly to be a Christian. We know that in Leviticus, he says, 
God says, for I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. I want it to be your God. So you shall be holy, for I am holy. This is that same reference. We continually say week in and week out, this book leads us to Jesus to help us encounter a relationship with God. Multiple times in Leviticus, we will continue to hear, for I am the Lord, I am Yahweh. And he will continue to claim this holiness. And for multiple encounters in the New Testament, we will encounter being holy people, what this has to do with our life. The Israelites got this be holy command so that they could be distinct in their inheritance, so that they would know that their blessing was going to make a difference in the world. We get this command to be holy as God is holy, as our inheritance to be different and to know how to love our world. We won't understand anything in Peter's letter, Peter's epistle, unless we understand this, that our hope that we have talked about is an eschatological hope. That's a fancy way, fancy word, for saying that our hope isn't centered here. Eschatos means last. Eschatology, study of last things. Eschatological means we are looking toward that end time, the things that are happening at the end of history. Our hope is centered on a grace that happens there with Jesus. Our hope is eschatological. We mean that our hope is rooted in a God that knows and works through all of history and that we claim all of that goodness, all of that promise, and all of that victory today. This is the hope we get to claim and the excitement we get to have for what happens when Jesus comes back and restores humanity. In the New Testament, God's people are continually described as holy, and that's us. There's a Barna study that concludes that most adults are confused and daunted by the concept of holiness. When asked whether holiness is possible, 73% of adults believe that it's possible to become holy regardless of their past. No matter what you have done, you can gain holiness. 73% of adults believe that. I don't know if you would count yourself as one of those 73% or not. However, these adults only have 50% that say that they know somebody that they would consider holy. Do you know somebody that you would consider holy? Because whether or not you were part of the 73%, maybe you go, yeah, somebody can do that, but I don't know anyone. And then only 21% of people who were surveyed believe that they themselves are holy. So 73% of people think that you can be holy regardless of what you've done, but 21% of people only think that they are. Holiness is not about how many times you've come to church or how many things that you can do to be measured as a stick of, yes, more or less holy. You will never measure up to God. That will never happen. Holiness is not about how many boxes you check off. Holiness 
is not something that we can do on our own. Holiness is only what happens when you allow Jesus Christ to live in you. We sing the song here often, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. And at the end, you'll notice this line, holiness is Christ in me. I become holy because I allow what is holy to abide in who I am. You are a holy people. So let's be clear, you are not part of the 73 that walk out of here that say, yeah, maybe, maybe it's possible. We are part of the 100% that say, we are God's people. We might be broken. We might be tattered. We might have all of the things wrong. But me claiming a faith and me believing in this God, our creator, allows us to have access to holiness. None of us can ever be holy the way that God is holy. But we can 100% allow God to be holy in us. Time and time again, we are reminded in scripture that we are God's holy and chosen people. So I would hope that you would leave this place today knowing that you are God's holy and chosen people, destined by God the Father and sanctified by the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ, to be sprinkled by his blood so that grace and peace can be yours in abundance. 21% of us consider ourselves holy. So does that mean only 21% of us think that Jesus is enough? That's it? I would hate for us to divide the room and say this is the amount that thinks Jesus is enough and the rest of us are just trying to figure it out. This Sabbath today, you have been set apart for a purpose. There is a holiness in you that you have to accept. It is not yours of your own doing. But what you can do with it will be only yours. There will be an experience that you can encounter that I will never be able to affect. Holy moly. If we don't get this exciting feeling about that kind of relationship with God, then I think we have a lot of work to do. When we allow Jesus to run our life, things will be unleashed on our paths that we could have never imagined. And let's be clear, this is not a, I'm going to now be holier than you. Faith is not about comparison. We don't have to worry about how much faith that person has and how much faith this person has. How holy are they and how holy are we over here and oh no, I'm not as holy over here. Because as much as you open yourself to Jesus is that's how holy you are. And the more Jesus you have in your life, probably the more humble you will be. When we live a holy life, we give ourselves the possibility that we have a chance for something different. If what we live here is not different than what we can find outside, then why are we here? When we live a life after holiness, we can allow ourselves to handle the day-to-day. -day. It might be ugly. It might be hard. I know there are some of us in this space who are going through it right now. Let me remind you, you are holy and you are God's chosen. You have been sprinkled by the blood of Jesus. 
Christ has already claimed victory over your circumstances. This book is a story of relationship that God has always wanted to be in the lives of his people. And so holiness is how he does that. Say yes to holiness and allow God to run your life. Allow Jesus to fill you and abide in you and allow the spirit to put you in spaces that you probably would have said, holy moly, not that. But that's God working. God has always promised and wanted a richness, a depth, and a meaningful life for each and one of us. Goodness has been set aside for us. Consecration has been set aside for us. Dedication has been set aside for us. We know this and we claim this because Jesus, I don't know what your phrase is, I don't know what your expression is, and I don't know if you have a holy moly, but this thing that we get to be a part of and do together, this relationship that we get to have with God is powerful. Peter writes to a troubled people in a troubled time, and we read this and we listen to this and we encounter this, and it's my hope that we get to get excited about a grace and a peace that is ours in abundance. Whether we're struggling financially or with jobs or with relationships, what do I do next? How do I navigate how my career is going and how I'm trying to live my life? There are some crazy things going on in this community. And I think it's been wonderful to see how your holiness has been opened up and then somebody else's holiness has been opened up and we see Jesus flowing in and through, transferring from people to people. And that is not anything you can find in the world out there. But it is absolutely something we need to be bringing to the spaces outside of these walls. I'm going to invite the worship team back on stage. I feel like we oftentimes are encountering scriptures where we're saying, this was written for a time such as X, Y, Z, and we go, oh yeah, that's, that's now. This was written for when people acted like that. Oh, yeah, that, that time could be considered now. People keep asking me, why the Bible? And I think, man, this is speaking so much truth. How can you deny it? And when you say, well, I, haven't, I need to see Jesus do this thing. I need to figure out how I can discern the signs. And I'm sitting here thinking, you have rooms full of testimony sitting here, and you wonder why, why we can't see it. We need to be articulating it a little better, I think. You are holy, and you are God's chosen people. And so it is my hope, and it is my encouragement that today you walk out of here not as a 73, not as a 50, or not as a 20% who is confused about God's plan for his people. 100% of us need to walk out of these walls today and know I have a God who loves me. I have a community who wants to do this thing called life with me. And I have a community who wants to sit here and go through the ugly with me. You are holy. And you have an opportunity to bring holiness to others as well. The Spirit will do what the Spirit will do. So I ask yourself, challenge yourselves this week 
have a holy moly moment. Whether it looks like an American Ninja Warrior or if it's just stepping into a room that you normally don't step into, you have an opportunity to, to be something different in this space. And we have been called and we have been chosen and there is no question. You are loved and you are ready. So continue to worship with us, continue to sing. And as we sing this last song, I invite you to prepare yourself for the person you're going to encounter this week and for the situation that you will walk into this week where you will say, holy moly, God has placed me here for a reason. Amen. <laughs>